Welcome to episode 219 of Friars in the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. How you doing over there, Donovan? I am sh- I'm not shocked, but it's shocking. Um, yeah, sad news like this, uh, even even if you see it coming, it still comes as a shock. You know, it's it's one of those things where, like, he, when, when the Padres announced he had a procedure, and, you know, usually usually during all, all, all you know, the coming and goings of the Padres, you know, you hear from Peter Seidler, you'll hear it. From him in some quote, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the reporters will get a quote from him or he'll release a statement or, or something like that. But after the, you know, medical procedure, I, I, it just, you know, you, you have to go with the, what they say. So I, I figured, okay, it's maybe he's just kind of staying away from it. Maybe staying out of it. I don't know. I apparently, and I'm sure we'll find out later, but it was much, much more serious, uh, than, than just some procedure. Right. The Padres press release the, to announce the death of Peter Seidler. It's it stated in there that the family requested that um, that any cause is withheld, which is absolutely their right. Um, and so we can only speculate, but it's, you know, that's that's that does none of that matters. Um, Peter Seidler did so much for the community of San Diego, not just for the Padres, the city of San Diego, the whole yeah. region. Um, and so today really is a, a somber day because we've lost somebody that is a great man in city history. Yeah, absolutely. I um, it, it's you know I was telling I was talking to Libby about this. Like he was so genuine. Like like owners are usually such you know they're. They're, 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 they're the corporate entity of the, of, of the team. So you hear, you don't hear, you know, you hear much, a lot of just, it just seems disingenuous from other owners. Um, he truly loved the game of baseball and he truly wanted to see this team succeed. And certainly he put his money where his mouth is and brought this franchise back to life. I mean, I don't, I mean, I remember when, you know, when John Moores was the owner, uh, I was, it was indifference. It was because, you know, you just know that guy's going to play real good and then they're going to trade him away because they're not going to pay for him. And it's a business, not a, you know, there's not about winning. It's about, you know, just kind of just hopping along or just kind of stumbling along through a season after season. Um, then comes along Peter Seidler and Ron Fowler. And, you know, even Ron wanted, wanted to win, but even he had his limits. And, you know, for me, you know, Seidler having, Beaten cancer in 2011 said, F it. Let's go. Let's F and go San Diego. And it, it sounds like he went through two separate bouts of cancer, two separate battles. And again, not to speculate, but I, I couldn't, I, I, I can't shake the thought that maybe that's what happened, that something came back. Um, you know, but yeah, who would have thought that 10 years ago that we would be looking at NLCS? Packed Petco Park, beaten the Dodgers, the place just blowing the roof off. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, being up near the top of the league in payroll, superstars all over the ballpark. And that's not the team that we grew up rooting for. And I never right. thought that the Padres would be able to reach that. And he took us there. Yeah, absolutely. We grew up with, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, we had those teams and we had our stars there, but like, you know, more recently in the, in the 90s and the, in the two aughts, um, it's like, wow, Kevin Kuzminov hit a home run. Oh, they won. Or, you know, Chase Headley's hitting two. Holy cow. He's got 15 yeah. home runs. Wow. If Jed Jerko could just hit 260, man, he'd be amazing. Right. I, I remember <laughs> when, uh, when, when Liddy turned 50, um, this is about, about 10 years ago. And, uh, 
you know, her brother, uh, her, her brother's company advertising. He has connections with the Padres and, uh, she asked, she asked, she asked her and said, Hey, whatever, you know, what Padre do you want to meet? And I'll do that. And like the, the most famous or the best player on the whole team was Chase Headley. And it's like, <laughs> it's, so she got to hang out in the dugout for about 15 minutes with Chase Headley and take pictures. And you think of that now and it's like, Oh my God, it's a different world. It's a different team. It's a just totally different. It, it really is. Um, but so outside of baseball, he was a humanitarian. There are so many things that he did to try to help the homeless people. You know, we have such a issue with homeless people in San Diego. Uh, but that really was his, his charity passion, uh, right. was to try to help the people that are downtrodden here in San Diego that need help getting on, on their feet and getting off yeah. the streets. Um, Casey Alfred posted a picture. He's a photographer. Uh, you know, his photos make it into SDUT, the Union oh, Tribune, yeah. all the time. And there Love was a picture guy. of, and I don't even remember what pose it was, but Peter Seidler had this little grin on his face. And it made me think, every time I've seen him in a picture, in a video interview, and then people talking about their interactions with him, he was always happy and optimistic yeah. and, and grateful for the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Cohen posted a, a touching, uh, story that he had, a little interaction that he had. And it's, there's so many of those. It, anybody that ever seemed to cross paths with him had a good, st- good story to tell. Yeah. They, nobody ever seemed to catch him on a bad day when he's in a bad mood. Just leave me alone. Don't talk to me. That was never him. He always had time for anybody that was around him. Um, so, you know, we're just, we're so fortunate that we got to, you know, spend the time that we did with him. Yeah. I never had a chance to meet him personally. Did you? No, no, not at all. Yeah. So I just have to go off of what everybody else says. But I mean, the outpouring on Twitter from people in the Padres organization and people all around baseball is just unanimous that, yeah. and what a, what a beloved figure. And, you know, people just, people just respect and, and appreciate him all over baseball. Yeah. I, I think he really, he changed the face of, of, of this, of this low market, this small market team into the talk of MLB. And, you know, if there's one lasting kind of legacy he has for, you know, for the, for pro sports, or at least for the, for, for baseball is that small market teams can afford it. You can afford to have a payroll like that. And sure, there's talk about debt relief and, and lo- borrowing money. Every team does it, but it, it shows you if you put the money in. They will show up. How many, how many sellouts this year? 63 sellouts. Just insane. Like we used to go Monday nights and Monday nights, you can get there about 15 minutes before game time. You can park. You can still, you know, there's no lines for food. Um, now I'm like, I get up at three. I get home at three 30. It's like, hey, we got to go. Let, let, let's go. We got to get down there and find parking. And we, yeah, park, <laughs> yeah I got to buy parking like a week in advance now. Oh my God. You know, and it's you should just, be just go down there with 20 bucks in your pocket and you're good to go. You find parking easy. You know, <laughs> there's no longer the, the Tony Gwynn opening day. Tuesday, the second day of the season is still sold out. Yeah. Yeah. So is the 40th home game of the season. Yeah. So not long after I heard the news, the thought occurred to me that the last time the Padres had a beloved local champion of an owner that passed away was Ray Kroc. And I remember, I mean, I was, I was five when the Padres went to the world series in 1984. Uh, so my memory of things is a little bit hazy, uh, but I remember the RAK patch on the sleeve. Yeah. And I, I know that that was on there in 1984. I had to look it up and he passed away January of that year. And so 
the last time a beloved Padres owner passed away before the season, the Padres went to the World Series the next year. This year, maybe they can win it all for Pete. What do you think you of know, that? I, 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 um, that's, that's fantastic. And we can use it. We'll take it. We can get to, to get that far. Um, I wonder though, I'm sure they're going to have a patch uh, next year. I'm sure it'll be, um, it'll, you know, our, um, you know, PS or, or something like that. They'll probably put something on the uniform for him, uh, similar to what they did in RIK. I, I wasn't, I was a freshman in high school. I actually lived at the top of Texas and Louisiana in 1984 when the Padres went to the World Series. And I remember hearing the horns, you know, the cars honking from, you know, three or four blocks deep, uh, up in North Park and the cars going up and down Texas, just, we were going crazy. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they, you know, they're going to probably have names that they really have to like, I don't know. I saw it on Twitter and it, it kind of made sense to me, you know, naming the field run, uh, um, Peter Seidler field. Right. That seems really appropriate. Park. Yeah. Um, I, don't I, name I, a know plaza that... after him or part of, you know, give him a statue, obviously, but you know, the field it, it's, it's because that's where the players that he put on the field, uh, is, is where it really matters, I think. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, people were talking about a statue. I don't know about a statue. Uh, but I think putting his name on the, on the field seems appropriate. Yeah. Um, they're definitely going to have a shoulder patch. And I mean, thinking about the video tribute that they're going to have before the home opener, you know, already gets me feeling a little bit emotional. There's not going to be a dry eye in the house when that happens. I hope we get some, uh, some, some chants going for him next year. That's going to, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, and you look at the relationships that he had with his players. He, he was so close, yeah. especially with Manny Machado. Um, it seems like the two of them were arm in arm. Um, and so hopefully the players take that, that, that they have a legacy. They have an honor that they need to go, uh, you know, go represent. Yeah. Absolutely. And you saw the video of you, Darvish and his wife, uh, dropping flowers at the, on the stairs. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I mean, what a respectful gesture. And yeah. yeah, I, you've been posting pictures of sunsets, uh, the last couple of days. So I knew he was in town. Um, but you know, how many players are going to go to, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, the public going down and doing their thing. Uh, but for, for players to go down and make their appearance, I mean, that only speaks to the respect that they had for the man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Well, so there's a lot of other news for us to talk about today. Uh, there's been some transactions going on. There's been some articles that have dropped. There have been some awards that have, that have been handed out. So let's go ahead and, uh, and put together as normal an episode as we can on, on such a, uh, such a somber day. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the major league minute. And I asked you earlier, like, Hey, do you want to wait till they announce? And then, you know, and then today happened. Um, I would think they're not going to announce tomorrow either. I think they would give it till Thursday. Uh, I would give it a full other day to, to announce a manager. Um, and the speculation is wild. You saw that I, someone posted a, a picture of Benny, Benji Hills, um, Benji Yills. I'm going to, Benji Gill. That's what I, it's, that's his name to me. Um, of him playing golf and saying, uh, you know, hashtag let's go F, you know, let's go F San Diego. Let's F San Diego. But it wasn't, that wasn't his account. It was somebody that was like playing golf with him or something. So okay. I'm not sure what to read into that. And I'm not right. sure whose account that was, but Ben and Woods shared it. So, you know, it's somebody that they, you know, huh, 
I don't and know. Then, I don't know what to make of it. And then, I, you know, I was at work all day, so I didn't read the article, but I saw the the quotes on people's Twitters that, you know, that there's a big feeling uh, that Phil Nevin is going to be the new manager. Um, the speculation is just, it's running wild. And it, it's so funny how we we were the second one to lose the manager, you know, before the uh, Giants. And we're the last ones to kind of put it together. And I'm yeah, sure we're, we're playing a game of duck, duck, goose. And there's, <laughs> or what, musical chairs. And there's only one chair left. You know, and I'm sure a lot of that does play in, into what we don't know about how serious Peter was sick and how long he has been sick and, you know, kind of maybe waiting for that to happen before, uh, before announcing a manager out, out of respect. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's, it has to be a manager that sticks around for at least, at least five years. You would hope so. Uh, okay. So, you know, there are these rumor mill fake accounts out there. I saw that. <laughs> and so there's one that I, I've, this account's been correct. It's been incorrect. I'm not going to name the account, but they tweeted out the Padres are promoting Mike. I, I like this idea. The Padres are promoting Mike Schilt to manage the big league club. Uh, and then Flaherty will stay on as offensive coordinator, which is an awkward term. Benji Gill is expected to join the staff along with Phil Nevin. And you think about it, I mean, so you've got a manager vacancy, you've got a third base coach. Phil Nevin's been a third base coach in the past, yeah. both with the Yankees and the Angels, and you need a bench coach. And those guys have experience in each of those roles. So it, it, those puzzle pieces would fit in a sense. I, I'd like I, to think that there may be something to that. I, I saw that too as well, but it just seemed like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know, you you interview for a manager and they give you a lower job. Like, I'm not sure if that flies. Well, so were they actually interviewing for a manager position or was it not that set? I, I I'm not clear. You know, because yeah. you see, uh, you see somebody report it, but it's we don't know the source. We don't know what the source yeah. said. We don't know who that reporter is. You know, it's it's a game of telephone. Yeah, and it's not Mike Bass, right? It's like my, uh, uh, Mike Hawk. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> it's, it's that out, right. It was a. It, it's not that person. I, uh, yeah, right. But but there is a similar innuendo in the person's name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which am, means they know nothing. It right. just could be somebody throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Who knows? But it, it's fun to follow anyway. It is, and it's fun to speculate. I um, you know, it's funny thinking of you know a Phil Nevin. Uh, managing, you know, we only think of the way he played. Like my only perception of Phil Nevin, uh, is the way he played the game. Hard nose, kind of grumpy, very serious. Um, but that's the player. I, I, I think manager managing the Angels and, you know, being third base coach, like is a totally different ball game. So we only have that perception of him. And so I think of when I think of Phil Nevin, um, that player mentality that he has as a manager. And that's, that's too, it's too caustic of a, you know, it's too, it, it doesn't vibe with being a manager. So I, I want to throw that away that, that, that whole thought of the kind of player he was um, to the kind of manager that he could be. Well, yeah, because people grow, people change, they mature, they grow up. They, you know, who knows? I mean, we're, I'm not the same person that I was 15 years ago. And that's right. what Phil Nevin was playing in the early, the early aughts. <laughs> 20 years ago. Oh, so who knows? 
maybe he's softened around the edges a little bit. Uh, but then again, if he's still the hard nosed guy, you know, that's, that's somebody you want as your third base coach. So when the brawl's going to happen, he's the one that gets in there in the middle of it and starts, right. you know, keeping the peace with everybody. <laughs> you need some, that big barrel chested guy to come in and wrap Manny Machado up and make sure he doesn't get hurt and make sure he doesn't do it. You know, you never know. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, a, a player, you know, if it being a player like uh, Benjamin Gill or, or, uh, or Phil Nevin, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, that respect already kind of comes, I think. Right. Having, having played for a significant amount of time, I, you know, Phil, what played for what, 15 years. I, I'm not sure how long Benjamin Gill played, but he's been around the game for a while and I think is respected. Um, and would be respected in the clubhouse. I just, you know, so I, I think, they can't really the only bad choice in my in, in my perception would be Flannery. What, Flaherty? Flaherty. I, you know, I, I don't know, but he's been around the team this whole time. So who knows what kind of respect he's got with the players and what he's learned. And but I I don't like the idea of a first time manager yeah, exactly. after what we went through with with Andy Green and then Jace Tingler. Are you gonna are you gonna repeat that cycle? Um but you're talking about somebody having a background as a player. Mike Schilt, I don't think Mike Schilt ever played pro ball at any level. He was a life, lifer minor league coach with the Cardinals organization before yeah. he finally, uh, got a couple of major league jobs and then got promoted to manager for a couple of years. Um, but that's a different way of paying your dues. I think Brian Snitker is a similar kind of a story, just yeah. a, a lifer baseball guy who couldn't make it as a pro player. Uh, but stuck around the game for enough decades that you, you eventually earn your dues. And I'm, I'm an engineer. I've worked with guys that have engineer on their business card and they never went to college because they were a machinist. They did this, they did that. And they've developed those skills and they were able to earn that job without having the piece of paper. It's similar kind of a thing. So I don't know, you know, you got four interesting names that all have their own, pluses and minuses and you can come up with your own evaluation scoring system i got bored and did that myself i've got a little spreadsheet where i (laughs) (laughs) my little rating systems i think it's going to be mike schilt but you know it it definitely makes sense for them to not announce it today even if they were thinking about it uh maybe give tomorrow like you were saying wait until thursday or friday at this point there aren't any other openings available out there there's just coaching spots so what's the rush why why do you need to you know they can already if the guy knows he's going to have the job he can already go to work especially if it's schilt or flaherty already in the organization yeah they're familiar with what how's how it goes and the next thing right now the meetings here in a few weeks uh the beginning of december um did you see the real quick and we'll finish this up with that um did you see the the tweet that someone had had posted that uh, Tony Lewis has said that it was a toxic work environment that, that he had created. Mike Schilt had created in St. Louis. I saw somebody said something about that. Um, at the time, it sounded like it was more of a personality conflict between him and John Mazeliak, the, yeah. the general manager. Uh, I, nothing's been officially reported about exactly what happened. It was, it was a, a dismissal that caught everybody by surprise. Uh, maybe we should call up Katie Wu and see if she's got any, any tea to spill. Uh, Ooh. friend, friend of the podcast who, uh, I think we talked to her right before she got that job with the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah we uh, haven't talked to her since because. She's Cardinal beat writer now. <laughs> yeah, I think she was. I think she was covering them when that news went down. So she might have a little insight to give. Oh, interesting. I um, 
Yeah, and it just it, it befuddles me. I, I know managers are hired to be fired, but like all that stuff kind of should get washed out during the interview process. Here, this is how I work. This is how I'm going to, this is my expectations. This is what I do. I'm going to call, you know, as a GM, I'm going to call you at this time. I'm going to come with this. This is what I'm going to do. Like, are you okay with that? Is that going to be fine? You know, you have to discuss that stuff. And for some reason to have it like that, you know, and how kind of have it played out with Melvin, uh, even after a horrible season, it, it's just, I don't get it. It definitely leaves a sour taste in your mouth for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like like how how did this even happen in the first place? You know, don't don't you guys have time to figure this out before the rubber hits the road? But here we are. Yeah. All right. So another big day today. Um, you had to set your forty man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So today was the deadline for protection from the Rule 5 draft. The Rule 5 draft will happen at the end of the winter meetings in December. Uh, but today the Padres selected the contract of Jairo Iriarte. Congratulations, Jairo Iriarte, Woo. right-handed pitcher. He's been a starting pitcher most of the season. They moved him into the bullpen for a little bit this year. Um, and then back out to, to starting. Uh, and then Reese Kinnear was assigned outright to AAA El Paso, so that clears him off the 40-man roster. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Um, And honestly, I never saw Reese Kinnear as a long-term major league player anyway. You know, he's one of these guys you call up with it. You have a need. You we need we yeah, need somebody with a healthy arm guy. to come up and make a couple starts and and his number got called. But Jairo Irate, electric arm, uh, you know, fireballing right hander can yeah. touch what he throws like 96, 98 with a fastball yeah. and he's got a nasty slider. Um, the only knock on him right now is that the walk rate's a little bit high. Uh, but you know, that can be said of a lot of guys at his <clears throat> his age. But congratulations to Jairo Iriarte. Welcome to the 40 man roster. Absolutely. And it's kind of nice that we didn't have to to throw a bunch of guys on on the a 40 man to protect them. Um, you know, Tirso Ronellis might, you know, he could have been protected, but they signed him to a minor league deal. Um Right. Well, that means he's still exposed. He's still out there. Somebody could take him. Oh, interesting. You know, but I, I you look at your you look at Tirso Ronellis through an honest lens, and he hasn't shown power in AAA. Yeah. He's hitting a lot of ground balls at the AAA level. He makes a lot of contact. He has good strike zone discipline. Uh, but if you don't have pop as an outfielder, you know, where, where are you going to go? So I can't see somebody taking a flyer on him to put him on their big league roster, you know, and, and think that he's going to stick right now. Yeah. So maybe the flip side of that is, I mean, he seemed to unlock something this year. All of a sudden at double A, he leveled up. So maybe he'll figure something out again this year, and then we'll see him come up midseason. I, I'm thinking that we might see him like Taylor Colway did this year. Right. Just injuries, someone gets pulled, called in. You know, Marcy or Pauly just might leapfrog him. It's possible, especially if Trent Grisham gets moved, like some people are are suggesting might happen. So if he leaves... Tatis slides over to center field. You need that backup center fielder. He hits from the left-hand side. He can play all three outfield positions. Who knows? There's, it's possible. Yeah. You know, we've seen people go to spring training and light it on fire and they have yeah. somebody does that. It's like, you can't cut the guy. So, all right, come on, come on aboard. You know, and we'll have him on the podcast here in, in, in the, in the coming months. So little podcast mojo never hurts. Never hurts. <laughs> never hurts. Always helps. <laughs> 
for sure. All um, right. So the other major league news today was that Blake Snell and uh, and Josh uh, Hater. Hader they both declined the qualifying offer, which was going to happen no matter what. Yeah. So they are free agents. They are gone at least for now. And there's the chance that they might sign them to back to another contract. I don't know how that how they find the money to bring either of those guys back, but uh, you know. Happy trails to both of them. I I really appreciated watching Blake Snell do his thing on and off the field. So if that's the last time we see him in a Padre uniform, then, you know, so be it. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Hater is okay. I As good as he was, I still didn't feel that comfortable with him. He threw a lot of balls and would just – I didn't feel comfortable with him as a closer. As Once again, as good as he was, maybe it's just my perception. But losing you know, losing a starter like Snell, it, it's going to be tough to, to find. A, it's going to be tough to replace him. I don't think we're going to be able to replace him. Um, but it's certainly going to be tougher to find your Michael Walkers or your Seth Lugos, those guys that, you know, you take a flyer on. And they absolutely bring it. Yeah, well, uh, Blake Snell was mm. posting Bob Gibson numbers for the like yeah. two thirds of the season this year. You're not going to find that. You're not going to just replace that. So yeah, they need to replace what three fifths of the rotation. Uh, yeah. I saw, I saw talk today that they were floating Scott Barlow out there in, in trades. Um, he's set up to make seven million dollars. So if they're looking to save a little bit of money, then you try to move him. But here's another guy with closer experience. You know, he was looking pretty good at the end of the season. So if you let him go, now you've got what, like four or five spots in the bullpen that you need to right. fill and three spots in the rotation. Uh, and then a couple other question marks around the field. Uh, the, it's, it's definitely an interesting offseason. It's just getting started. We've only just begun. We've only just begun. Yeah, tough, tough stuff. So let's get on with the MILB transactions. Yeah. So a couple of interesting ones. So, okay. So they brought. Drew Carlton back on a minor league contract. So he's somebody that we know, you know from this last year. Uh, he did He did okay for a while when they needed a middle reliever. He kind of became that innings eating middle relief guy, but then he got roughed up other times. So who knows? Back on another minor league deal. I'm good with that. Uh, and then they signed second baseman Tyler Wade to a minor league contract. And I will admit, I didn't recognize the name, uh, but he's played 357 games over the last seven years with mostly with the Yankees and then with the Angels and last year with Oakland. He's 29 years old. He's from Marietta. Uh, he plays shortstop, but he plays all over the place. They've got him listed as a second baseman, but he's played pretty much every position on the field. Um, he's a 592 OPS career hitter. So a light hitting, uh, utility player. So somebody you stash in, in El Paso. And yeah, absolutely. If, if he catches fire, if he becomes the next Brandon Dixon, then come on down, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think really for, you know, Matthew Batten's that utility role is Matthew Batten's to lose. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, you got Eggy Rosario that's right there. And then Grant yeah. Pauly is going to be giving him a, a run, for, a little push from behind. Uh, but you need guys like that. You need yeah. lots of guys. And the, the, the thing that was lacking with the Padres roster, I didn't think this was going to be the case back in March, but it was depth. I mean, yeah. b- both the major league position player side and pitching up and down. I mean, so you, they've got to, they've got to put all that back together. So it's not just those whatever eight or 10 spots on the big league roster. It's the 20 guys behind them. 
So they also signed right-handed pitcher Giovanni Cruz uh, to a minor league contract, um, assigned him to El Paso. He's a 24-year-old. He's from Dominican Republic. He's never pitched above high A, uh, but he's been in the Cubs org since 2017. He had Tommy John surgery in 2021, spent 2023 in high A. Uh, the, the reports that I saw on him, he can touch 100 miles an hour. He's got the filthy, nasty stuff, uh, has some command issues and he struggles to stay healthy. So it's a pretty common profile, but you know, lottery ticket. Yeah. Um, and then finally they released some guys from the Dominican side. Uh, they released right-handed pitchers, Haral Gonzalez, Rafael Nava, Josmar Acevedo, Santiago Soto, um, and third baseman Nestor Chevalier. So guys that honestly, I've never read their names before. Right. They were guys that were signed as inter- international amateur free agents. Um, they played a little bit. Each of those guys played a little bit in the Dominican summer league and that's about it. Uh, so this time of year, that's, that's the, the churn. Unfortunately, yeah. you see guys walk away and, um, again, happy trails to them. Uh, but now that there are limitations on the domestic roster, they can only have what 180 players on the domestic minor league rosters. And then you can only have your camp can only be so big in the Dominican. Was it 160? Right. I think it's 160, 165, I think is the, is the new roster size this year. Right. So, you know, and now they've got to make room for all these guys they just signed because yeah. now a new, a new, they just signed guys at the end of this class. And then January 15th, when that rolls around, there's going to be a whole new flood of international amateur free agents walking in the door. It's just amazing how many, you know, and every organization does this. Every organization signs dozens and dozens of guys and dozens and dozens of guys that you don't even know their names. You won't even, we follow the system and, and we don't know those guys. Uh, guys that'll never, you know, that, that'll never leave the island. Um, and, but that to them is like absolutely, you know, the height of their career is making it even into a, a, an affiliated camp. So it's, um, it's dreams come true, but they're dashed uh, yearly and by the dozen because baseball is a very, very hard sport. It is. It, it, and and a part of me, my heart really kind of goes out to what happens in those the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and Puerto Rico and these other areas that where kids don't have the same opportunity that they have here growing up. Yeah. And there's it feels a little bit exploitative what Major League Baseball yeah. does with these kids that taking them into camps at age 10, 12, and then they sign with a big league team at age 16, 18. And then a couple of years later, they're spat out and here they are grown adults and all they know is baseball and there's no future for them in baseball. So now what do they do? It's my, my heart breaks thinking about that side of, of baseball. Yeah. We need to talk to someone. I, I would really like to have Hector Gomez come on and, um, and and talk to him about that. It talked about you know talk about how the internet an international draft would work and and how you know what happens to a lot of these guys that 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 don't make it. Do they go back home and find their jobs? Do they get bounced to another organization? Like I would love to have that guy come on and and discuss that kind of um you know the international aspect of of Major League Baseball. Yeah, we'll have to reach out to him. All right, so we've got some AFL news to catch up on. The uh, the Arizona Fall League just concluded. Uh, so, Donovan, why don't you tell us about what yeah. happened at the Arizona Fall League? <laughs> well, that's all we've had to talk about the past five weeks. Uh, and it's no secret to you guys now, but Jacob Marcy was named the AFL MVP. Uh, the kid ab- absolutely, dude, kid absolutely had a fantastic 
fantastic fall league. Uh, he's slash 391, 508, 707. Um, he was third in the league in batting average, second in OBP, first in slugging, and first with the 1.25, uh, 1, 1.215 OPS. So 17 months ago, Jacob Marcy was suited up in maroon and gold for the Central Mission Chippewas in Gainesville, a regional of the NCAA tournament. He capped his college career with a four-hit performance, an emphatic exclamation point on a breakout season that earned him first-team Mid-American Conference honors and propelled him toward becoming a sixth-round draft pick of the Padres. Fat last Saturday night, and a smiling Marcy held it, honoring him as the Joe Black MVP award winner for the 2023 Arizona Fall League. It's been a blessing, said Marcy, the Padres' number 12th prospect. I mean, if you would have told me this was where I'd be, I'd have dreamed, I would have dreamed about this, but I never would have believed it. Just being here and being able to compete every single day with these guys, it's a blessing. Honestly, without my time in at Central, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. I pay tribute to all my friends and teammates and coaches there and everyone that's helped me along the way. MVP awards across often go to the best player on the best team in many facets. The Javelinas have been the premier offensive of the fall circuit and directly at the top of the order has been Marcy, who is the first player in Padres history to win the AFL MVP honors. To the first five or six games, they scored like 12, 15 runs every game. It was just, they were unstoppable. Yeah, that offense was absolutely stacked. So, so Ross- rosters were revealed for the 30th anniversary campaign of the four of the fall league. The four top 100 prospects of the race, Carson Williams at number 19, the Mariners, Harry Ford at number 39, the Guardians, Kyle Manzardo at number 58 and Chase DeLauder at 85, uh, joining Peoria undoubtedly drew more pomp. Even in terms of San Diego prospects, Graham Pauly, San Diego's number 11 prospect was coming off earning Padres minor league player of the year honors. Marcy gravitated toward that amalgamation of talent in the dugout, elevating his own game to meet their standard. I just tried to take advantage of every day. Marcy said the people that are here, they're all here for a reason. They're all the best of the best. I've just been trying to have fun with these guys because it's been a blessing to be here and learn from every guy long. So God, you know, Chase, Chase DeLauder has been a beast. Harry Ford is a knighted. Um, he just got off the international uh, international tournament for Great Britain. He's a Great Britain guy. Um, and, and Cal Lazardo, man, these guys are all beasts. Um, yeah, Cal Lazardo's got major power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was and it was fun watching those guys play as well. Um, long heralded for his bat to ball ability, Marcy has been able to translate those skills from the MAC. He spent the majority of the season with high A Fort Wayne, where he produced a 413 on base percentage and walked 87 more than he struck out, 82, all while swiping 41 bases, tying him for third in the Midwest League. To say that Marcy is a blend of power, patience at the plate, and wheels have no peer isn't hyperbole. The 22-year-old is the lone minor leaguer to produce a season with at least 15 homers, 90 walks, and 40 stolen bases since 2005. Production in those categories carried over directly to his time with Peoria. As he finished in the top five in those categories, hits first, base on ball second with 21, steals uh, with third with 16, as well as in home runs tied for fifth with five. Extra base hits first, 18. Total bases, 65. He was first among the fall league participants. I can get bags, but I'm not the fastest guy, Marcy said. I can hit for some power, but I'm not the strongest guy. I just try to do everything I can. Mainly trying to help my team score and do what I can to help the team win. 
Yeah, it was so much fun watching what him and Polly were doing because really there was a lot of good situational hitting going on there. You saw those guys staying within themselves, going the opposite way, you know, trying to move the runner over, uh, taking the extra bag when they could. And it's just smart, smart heads up baseball that both those guys were playing this year. Yeah, both the, both those guys had guys had had times when they came up with either you know a tying run on or a go ahead run on, and they would go opposite field get a hit or hit something up the middle, uh, you know, not try to pull a ball and hit a home run, but knock those guys in and get a tie run or a tie breaking run or the go ahead run. It uh, happened several times for both those guys uh, during the fall league. But what I like about most of with this was he, uh, you know, he's. The humility, the kind of, I know where, you know, the role he has to play, um, and learning from all these different guys. It's, it's nice to have that kind of humility and kind of self awareness of like, you know, I'm not the strongest guy, but I can hit home runs. I'm not the fastest guy, but I can steal some bags. Like that's, that's some situation. That's some self awareness, I think. Well, and it's got to give him a little bit of confidence coming after this because. You know, here you are coming into this camp with all of these top prospects, and he's a relatively unheralded guy from you know, not necessarily a premium college program. Um, and here he came in here, and he didn't just compete with these guys. He blew their doors off. Yeah. All right, so the other half of these two, well, and we're leaving Nathan Martorella out. Um, I know. He didn't, he didn't have such such a great fall league, but he had such a great season. Uh, I'm thinking great things for him, but but Graham Pauly was the other uh, the other big performer uh, in the pod for the Padres in the Arizona Fall League. So Jesus Cano uh, from MLB.com he wrote the number eleven Padres prospect Pauly capping an impressive year in the fall league. So he says, Graham Pauly didn't know where he was going to get to land when the 2022 MLB draft arrived. And on day three, his question was answered when the Padres selected him in the 13th round. Quote, it's a blessing getting the chance to play pro ball, Pauly said, but I wanted to improve. I wanted to prove to everyone who didn't think I was as high a draft pick wrong. And I feel like I'm in a really good spot. San Diego's number 11 prospect isn't just waking up everyone who slept on him. He is setting the standard for what a successful season in the Padres system looks like. Pauly finished with a cumulative slash line of 308, 393, 538 between single A Lake Elsinore, high A Fort Wayne, double A San Antonio, 23, the 23-year-old third baseman slugged 23 home runs, drove in 94 runs, swiped 22 bases, becoming the Padres the only Padres minor leaguer to produce a 2020 season. I believe he was the first one to do it since Tatis. <laughs> Still, absolutely. Still not convinced he's the real deal. Paulie also led the organization in average slugging OPS at 931 and hits with 148 and extra bases with 60. So it wasn't a surprise that he earned recognition as the club's hitting prospect of the year and was rewarded with a trip to the Arizona Fall League. I thought it was pretty locked in for the majority of the year, Paulie said. I just wanted to carry that in and keep my mentality in the at-bats and my mentality in the field and keep doing what I'm doing. <clears throat> and to no shock, Paulie has sustained his production at the plate in the desert. The Duke product clubbed his fifth homer uh, of the Arizona Fall League and the heavily in his nine, 10-9 loss to the Scorpions uh, several Tuesdays ago. <laughs> several Tuesdays ago. Paulie has excelled at the plate with the 269-375-13 slash and he's tied for third in the and he's tied for third in round trippers, but his priority heading into the prestigious rookie circuit was to advance to the next level. While well, he's, he's a natural at the hot corner, San Diego locked Manny Machado, one of the best third basemen in the majors, to an 11-year deal early in the season. 
Paulie and the Padres discussed his versatility being key in his pursuit of the majors. During the regular season, he split his time between third base with 85 games, second with 17 games, and left field with 14 games. And with Peoria, he split time evenly in the outfield, eight in left, two in right, and a third with 10 games, as he continues to sharpen his defense this fall. Quote, I think it's going really well, said Polly. For me, it's just a matter of getting as many reps as possible, whether that's in batting practice or in-game. I'm feeling a lot more confident out there, and hopefully I can continue to play well. You know, we saw this year, you know, there were injuries. Manny Machado wound up, um, you know, he wasn't able to play on the field the last, what, month of the season. Yeah. Um, so having the versatility of Hassan Kim on the roster to be able to move around was huge. Uh, and so having somebody like, and then there were times where like, geez, we need somebody else that can play first base and maybe slide out into the outfield. Uh, when we're sitting there looking at, at two DHs that were struggling to hit, just clogging up the roster. So having that flexibility is going to give the individual player like Polly the opportunity to come up, you know, and find a role. And it's going to help the team because you need people that can play all over. And yeah. we said before, you look at what the Dodgers do, you know, I mean, I don't want to look up to what the Dodgers do, but you've got guys like Kiki Hernandez and Chris Taylor and now Mookie Betts that can play center field, shortstop, second base, right field, wherever you want them to go, they can pick up a glove and go do it. Um, and I, I having more guys with those kinds of flexibility just only helps the roster. You know, and for a while, that's kind of the way Major League Baseball was going. And I still think it might be for a little bit where you had that super utility guy, like a Ben Zorbrist, uh, that would just, he played everywhere and, uh, and he did well and you kept him in the lineup. So uh, having those guys, um, like a Pauly, you know, like a Matthew Badden, he could play some outfield, but, uh, you know, it was mainly for the infield. Um, just creates value and flexibility and depth. Like the depth is a huge thing is you, Kind of started on the end of that sentence, like we had two guys that we no one we had no one to come up from from AAA to take a, a spot, you know, a spot start at third or first base. We just didn't have it, and to have right. someone like you know, the Polly and you know Marcy uh, for for another for another you know for a fourth outfit or just to come up uh, is huge. You know, and Nathan Martorello was playing some some left field in the fall league as well. He's not a first base only kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, and I really think that if he, you know, Martorella, if, if he has another season, if his second season uh, gets him up to to AAA in El Paso, that he could be pushing for a for a first baseman's job in the twenty five twenty six time. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be I mean, next year's just going to be so incredibly interesting uh, for the Padres system, where all these guys, especially a lot of pitching, take that step forward and you know, start producing and start doing well, or maybe not. You, you know what I mean? It's just, let's see if this first year wasn't just a fluke and where they go from here. Right. All right. So back to the article, even despite his impressive resume in 2023, Polly wasn't voted in for the final national league spot in the fall stars game, which was a travesty. How many I times was- did you vote? Um, every day I was going on there and clicking the button is what you can vote five times a day or something like that. Well, see, you could vote five times a day, but it never said after five, it didn't say stop. So I would just vote. I voted for like 15 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> man. So all the clicking we did, it didn't, it didn't do enough. I mean, it's a popularity contest, but I mean, Paulie was really good at the fall league. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't voted in for the final national league spot in the fall stars game. While he would have liked to have participated in last weekend's contest, that won't deter him from reaching his main objective. 
The ultimate goal is to be an all-star in the show, Polly said. So to me, that's just something I can look forward to, and it's something to fuel me more. Polly wasn't the only member of the Potters organization to make an impact in Tuesday's contest. Jacob Marcy, uh, one of the front runners for the AFL MVP award. Now we know he was the winner smashed yeah. a two run homer to right at an estimated 107 mile an hour exit velocity in the fourth. And then Trey Lipscomb picked a perfect time to hit his first home run of the campaign. His three run dinger in the seventh gave the Scorpions the lead. Uh, so something, uh, the ball carries like crazy in Phoenix. And this time of year, they get the monsoons coming up. So you get the humidity and I, I still don't understand this, but when you get a little bit more humidity, the ball can carry, I guess. But I mean, in that fall stars game, there were some absolute moonshots. Yeah. It's like, can this guy really hit a ball 490 feet in, yeah, in that was Alcatara, right? The, the Cubs guy, Alcatara hit something like it was like 475. Like my <laughs> God. And that's that's just it. it it's uh, um, it, it's Arizona. Um, I'm not sure if they're if it's moisture there, but it's certainly dry. Uh, the ball just does carry. Um, so I mean, 107 mile an hour exit velocity is is nothing to sneeze at. And he's not a big guy. Like Marcy's what six foot, maybe six one. Right. Like he said, he's not six, the strongest, but he can hit it out. Right. Yeah. Well, so the Javelinas, they made it to the final game. That semifinal game was such a fun game with a big comeback. They fell short in the championship, so the, the Javelinas had to take the uh, little consolation prize. Uh, but what a great experience for all those guys. And uh, also for Cole Paplum and for Braden Nett and all the, you know, what, there were three other pitchers that the Padres yeah, sent Emmanuel out there. Emmanuel Pinales, he had a really good season in the AFL. Yeah. So congratulations to all those guys. So that's the end of our of our news here. So what we've got to look forward to next, we were hoping to hear who the new manager is. So mm-hmm. by the time we talk to you next, we will we should know. Um, we are anticipating an interview with Cole with uh, Cole Paplum. I'm hoping to get together with him on Thursday on Thursday. Yeah, yeah Thursday. Thursday. Um, and then also, I'm curious. So there are always transactions that happen right at the 40 man, uh, this rule five deadline. And in the past, Preller's always put in some last minute kind of deals. You don't find out about until later in the day. So there still could be some, some breaking news. The Padres only have 34 players on their 40 man roster. They've got room to take somebody on if they wanted to. So you'll have guys that are being waived right now. By the way, did you see Cal Quantrill was designated for assignment by the guardians? I, I did. Yeah, he's set and, to make six point six million dollars next year. So I don't know, you know, what they think about that salary compared to his performance potential. Uh, but I wouldn't be opposed to a little reunion. I on a minor league deal. On a minor league deal. Yeah. And yeah if, they let, if they if they outright if they, if they cut him, why? Who's the who's the coach that uh that kind of turned him around once he got to Cleveland? Do you remember? Oh yeah, it Ruben was one Ruben Niebla. Yeah, reunite those guys. I I would I would love to see it. So, right, yeah, so we I'm have gonna that keep to... my, I'm gonna keep my ear to the wall, see what transactions happen. You know, I like writing all that stuff down. Um, so we've got an interview to talk to talk about next next time we get together. We'll have a new manager. Um, and until then, you can find me on Twitter at zippy underscore tms, and you can find me on Twitter at st donovan. Oh man. Peter Seidler, thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. God. And, thank uh, you. you know, I'm, he's going to be up there looking down on an exciting Padres season this year. Yeah. It feels great. The players, the fans, they both showed up in the biggest possible way. 
all season long, but especially these last two nights and the come from behind clinching game today, it could not have been better. Congratulations to our players. Is it extra sweet because it was against the Dodgers? They're, they're the team that has dominated the last decade. And like we said, we you know who that dragon is up the freeway. We got to slay it. And we did it this year. And we will be a very good team for years to come. We have the best fans in the league. Fans that have stayed with this franchise through thick and thin, and our fans deserve a championship. And this group of players is going to do everything they can to bring it here. We're going to party tonight like crazy, but I am. And I'm not a partier, but I am tonight. And then we'll refocus on the next series. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations.